Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, today we're talking about something that we're pretty passionate about. Um, We're talking about preventing marital drift, because that is something that most couples will go through at some point, um, that they will feel more disconnected. And really, we call it the drift, Yeah. Um, you know, especially during harder, busy seasons. Yeah, it's where all of a sudden we start to feel so disconnected, we feel like married roommates. And, and we all go through these moments. It's either going to be a, a day or it's going to be a, a long season for, for some couples. And I know that for us, mm-hmm. it's usually usually I become aware of this because you you will have said, hey, we've got to talk or, hey, I'm just feeling so alone or I'm feeling super disconnected. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in our marriage, it, it, it's like you just have this this radar, this disconnection sense. radar, this sense, mm-hmm. this intuition really about when, when we're just not doing well. Mm-hmm. Well, and it may not even be high conflict or um, anything, any specific issue. But there's just distance. Maybe it's during a busy season and we're not prioritizing our connection. Or maybe one of us is shut down. And I I can sense that. Hopefully I can sense when I'm shut down. <laughs> but I can definitely pick up on it when you're shut down. Typically, because this is a role I play in our marriage, is that I will pursue, I'll bring it up to say, hey, feeling distance. I'm feeling space. I'm feeling disconnected. I don't like that. And so when can we sit down and chat? When can we go for a walk? When can we go on a date? Um, Let's just check in and see how things are. Normally, I handle that really well. Yeah, you love that. I listen with great eye contact and I (laughs) I dream of the day. I seek to understand. I validate you. Yes, I can't wait for that day. I, I probably get defensive, probably quickly to go, what What do you mean we're disconnected? Then I start to run through all these examples yeah. of ways that we've connected, <laughs> yeah. thinking, what Over, is wrong well, with what you? What about, like, yeah, what about last night right. we played a card game? What about two nights ago we, right. you know, we drove and got Annie together? And I'm just like, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm saying I'm noticing the disconnection in the relationship. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. <laughs> now that we're talking about it, I work very hard to make sure that we're not in trouble or that we're doing well. And so if you think we're not, then I will, man, they just, well, you the internalize examples become it. very clear to yeah. me. You internalize it that you're not doing well, you're failing. And so thus you react and... Actually, I'm just feeling bad for you. I don't want you to feel oh, failed because it's probably yeah, your that's fault. That's not so usually what I feel. It's just out of compassion, really. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So I and maybe that's the same for your marriage is you try to have those conversations, mm-hmm. um, maybe about conflict or in this case, the drift that's going on. But mm-hmm. that's really what we want to talk about. And we've got some great segments coming up. You know, later on, we're going to talk about how to build a firm foundation for your marriage. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she prepare for a new marriage when her old one wasn't healthy? Mm. But first, we had a great conversation with our friend, Pastor Ted Cunningham, about how we can build a strong relationship and avoid marital drift. 
He's a pastor and author with some amazing thoughts and insights. So let's go ahead and listen to the conversation we had with Ted. Ted, is there a, a verse out of the Bible that speaks to you about marriage? Maybe it's had an impact on your own marriage. Yeah. So recently in Matthew 7, I've been reading about the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Mm-hmm. And in verse 24, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Great teaching from Jesus on what our foundation should be. And we know that the foolish builder experienced the exact same storm and fell with a great crash because he didn't have a solid foundation built on Christ. Mm -hmm. And I love to share that with couples because I remind them, you can't control everything that happens to you in life but you have 100% control over your foundation Mm -hmm. and what you choose for your foundation to be. And so storms reveal our foundations. And, you know, in our work with Marriage 911, we see a lot of storms hit couples. They find their way Mm -hmm. back to church. Uh, Their marriage is, you know, healed, restored. And then months later, maybe a year later, we don't see them as often. And I always remind couples that have come through uh, a great crash. Uh, if if you found your way back to church during a storm, stay put long hmm. after the storm passes. Right. If yeah. you reach for a Bible during a storm, keep reading mm-hmm. once you're through the storm. If you started praying again, you know, through a storm, keep praying long after the storm has passed because it, it's going to change the way you go through the next storm. (laughs) And so I I just love that text because, I mean, you and I, you know, we all spend our days figuring out ways to help couples who crash and just trying to help couples, you know, work through their foundation. Mm, It's so good. And it's so true that you get through one storm. Well, guess what? There might be a season of peace, but the next one's coming. And because that's promised in scripture, those who marry will face many trials and troubles. And (laughs) so that shall come. But I love, yes, what is your foundation? And I love that you're saying we have 100% control over what our foundation is or is not. And that can impact how we walk through that trial. Ted, so as a pastor, you see two Christians who are married so often. Why is it such a struggle, do you think, for Christian couples to really take hold of the rock, as as you described in that verse? Why is it so hard for couples to really kind of form that sort of deep spiritual foundation? Yeah. You know, they everybody builds their marriage on something. I, it, here's what's true of every couple. Every couple goes through storms, and every couple chooses their foundation. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. have built it on attraction, desire, chemistry. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Attraction, chemistry, desire, those are good things. They're just not meant to be your foundation. Right. There's those who build it on emotion, and we share a similar passion for teaching what, uh, I love how Ryan Pinnell puts it at Hope Restored. You know, emotions are like our children. We should listen to them. We should care for them, but we should not allow them to make major decisions for our family. <laughs> we don't so, want to be an emotionally sensitive family. That's a good one. Family. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't build it on emotions. Um, experience. I just worked today with uh, 
students at a gap year program and reminded them, you know, your parents experience in their marriage, whether it was a good or bad marriage, you don't build your foundation on another person's experience mm-hmm. or another marriage, right? You, you build it on the, the all those are important, right? Experience right. and emotion and chemistry and desire, but they're not meant to be our foundation. And when our foundation is Christ, we can weather the storms as they hit us, whatever the season, the stage, or the, the storm we find ourselves mm-hmm. in. That's good. And so as we travel as married couples through these different seasons of life, um, sometimes the drift sets in. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that and tell us um, signs that your spouse is drifting? Mm, and drifting as a couple. We, uh, we know I love Dr. Scott Stanley's sliding versus deciding. And I know he's speaking there about early relationship formation. Uh, but, you know, that sliding is not really paying attention to the relationship and just kind of letting it happen. Mm-hmm. And drift is the same thing once you're married. It's not really paying attention to the marriage, just kind of letting it happen. And yeah, putting it on going. cruise control, yeah. Yeah, and we know this. Your your marriage is either on the decision path or the drift path. It's mm. the only two paths mm. a marriage will take. And we know that your spouse is going to change multiple times throughout the marriage. Uh, I heard one of our colleagues say, over the course of your marriage, you're going to be married to five to seven different people. Wow. Mm. And the point there is all with as the same first changes, name, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> same name. Let's the clarify license. that. Yeah, yeah. All on the it's same two people on the wedding license. Uh, but but the bottom line is, when your spouse changes, if you're in drift, that's when you find yourself in disillusionment. Yeah, and you're frustrated, and that's when you start saying things or thinking things like, uh, "He's changed. She's changed." He's never going to change. She's never going to change. This isn't the person I married. I didn't Mm -hmm. sign up for this. Irreconcilable differences, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and if you're on the path of decision and your spouse changes, uh, for us, you know, marriage itself changed us. Uh, Having kids changed us. Paying bills changed us. Uh, Going through difficult seasons in the church changed us. Our physical health will start affecting, you know, who we are. That's yeah. going to change us. But Being if you're living on this in podcast, city, will change you. So. <laughs> uh, listening, just listening is going to make you a new person. Tell all your friends. But if you're living on the path of decision and your spouse changes, you don't find yourself in disillusionment. You're living in discovery hmm. and you're living in curiosity and fascination hmm. and wanting to know you know, what does compatibility look like now in this new season or stage of life? Yeah. But when we drift, we blame each other. When we drift, we uh, close our hearts with unresolved anger. When, when, mm-hmm. when we're in the blame game and the closed heart game, I see this as a pastor all the time. People begin to isolate from others. They don't, they don't move toward healthy voices. Mm-hmm. What happens is they, they find the, the jaded family member to seek counsel from. And that's super helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dave Ramsey says it, and I think it applies in marriage too. You shouldn't be asking your broke friends for financial advice. <laughs> and you probably shouldn't be asking your most jaded family member for marriage advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah Find the sure. healthy voices, the those that are going to speak life, rejoice and delight, and, and mm. praise your love as a couple. Because mm. if you don't catch it at the blame game and the closed heart, you begin isolating from others. Then that doubt sets in and you begin exploring other options, thinking about 
you know, who else is out there for me? Who else will make me happy? Because it's not happening in this marriage anymore. Yeah. And you've, you've talked about um, one of my very favorite quotes. I, I quote you all the time. And you said that marriage is like a duet in need of backup singers. In other words, the importance of having those people, not not you know, not the broke friends, not the dissolution friends, but but a really healthy community around you and the importance and why that that's good for a marriage. If if someone's looking for community, how, how do they go about finding a good community for their marriage? Well, the Institute of Family Studies came out with a great study. I share it all the time that seventy eight percent of couples who regularly attend church together. 78% report that they are either very happy or extremely happy mm. in their marriage. Mm. And and why I think that's important because, you know, we're not interested in just divorce-proofing marriages. We want couples to experience high levels of marital right, satisfaction. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, that report doesn't say 78% of couples who regularly attend church stay together. It's like they're reporting extremely happy, yeah. like very happy. Then you add to that the spiritual disciplines of Couples who pray together, couples who uh, serve together, couples who read the Bible together, and couples uh, who are on mission together, like giving. Now you're up into that 90 percentile of people who are just passionate for one another, passionate about how they serve. And so this isn't just a pastor of a local church saying, get to church. We need you here on Sunday. This is a pastor saying biblical community, leaning into biblical community. What a great conversation we had with Ted, and thank you, Ted, for your insights. And I know you lived this out, which is so amazing. He is the pastor of a church in Branson, Missouri, and we know that one of their primary focuses is healthy marriage, healthy relationships. And he really, he talked a lot about encouraging couples to allow the community to support their marriage. And, you know, especially he talked about looking for that older couple that can speak into your marriage and support you in your marriage. Because anyone who's been married for over six months, let's say, knows that there's good days, there's hard days, there's great days. And, you know, then we go through those seasons that are challenging. And having someone on the outside that you can turn to during those harder days or harder seasons is so beneficial. Yeah, especially as we're all trying to resist that drift and mm-hmm. to make sure that we're not, you know, prolonging those moments when we feel disconnected, mm-hmm. you know, based on whatever is going on in our marriage. There's going to be, you know, valid reasons why we haven't been able to connect. But how do we make sure we really avoid that drift? So what mm-hmm. for, in our marriage – Kind of what's your favorite thing that we do to kind of avoid that drift? Well, multiple things. And first and foremost, just recognizing that we have to pay attention to this marriage. We both individually have a lot going on, and but we're both 100% responsible for the state of our marriage. So we will often say it like this, there's no autopilot in marriage. We can't just kind of set it aside and think, you know, gosh, down the road, I'll pay attention to this marriage. We both are 100% responsible for nurturing and caring for the marriage, as well as ourselves, first and foremost. So it's it's doing both the individual work and protecting the marriage. Do you think it's easier for women 
to really be thinking about the relationship? I mean, is that a gender thing or is it even more personality? Like you're more extroverted than I am. You know, as, as a female extrovert, do you think it's 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 easier for you to pay attention to the state of our marriage? Yeah. Well, your dad always taught that women innately have a built-in relationship manual, and they can sense when a relationship is off either in the marriage or with the kids, and that God has gifted them with that intuition. However, I also know that, you know, there's different roles we play within a marriage. Somebody's the pursuer, the most common stance is pursuer withdrawer. So someone's a pursuer, someone withdraws. And it's not always the female. I don't know the statistics. How often is it the female versus the male being the pursuer? I have to look that one up. I mean, it it would intuitively make sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it would be the female. Yeah, I don't know. Because I was just thinking it's, it's, you know, I love our marriage. You know, you're my best friend. I mean, I, I, I care about the state of our marriage. For me, it, it it's easier to kind of exist like, ah, everything's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, nothing's rocking the marriage boat right now, so we must be doing good. We're okay. And, and I know like for a guy, when we get stressed out, it's easy for me then to go into the kind of the cave and isolate mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it feels like, especially when it's stressful, I'm naturally more drawn to, to be by myself mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. But then I'm I'm looking at our marriage going, well, hey, no, ain't nothing broken. So, you know, right. don't well, rock the boat or don't bring anything up. So it's just, it's easy for me, I think, to miss some of that. Right. Whereas you, you sense it like, oh, we're yes. so disconnected. But thus women are more likely to be the ones filing for divorce, especially we just read the statistic about uh, 65 and older, um, the number one range. Kind of the gray divorce. Yes, the gray divorce, that yeah. it's women who are filing. So it's, I'm guessing that there's a statistic out there that's saying, you know, who is recognizing the drift, who is more willing to take action to reconnect. Um, but it's important that someone does. And I always tell the, the pursuers in my in my office, you pursuing is a gift to the marriage. Yeah. I know that sometimes it can be hard, that you can feel burned out in that pursuit as the drift sets in, because it will at some point. Um, but we can be intentional about what we do when we notice a drift. Or if we are continuously attending to our marriage, maybe you want to experience the drift like some other couples do. Yeah. And, and I say all this not as an excuse to go, well, because I'm a guy or I'm an introvert a male introvert, I'm never going to notice those things. So you pay attention and you tell us if we're, mm-hmm. you know, if we're drifting. I'm not trying to say that yeah. at all. I'm actually going, you know, for my own self, I, I, I need really need to be paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't always be your responsibility. Well, and you've said that to me, which means so much. You You will say it shouldn't always be you coming to repair or to um, connect. Yeah. That in you, you kind of made it your goal last year to grow in that, to notice the disconnect, so notice the drift. I would say you did better. Um, <laughs> I'll take yeah, better. Well, yeah, I would love for you to take it more often. All right, I'll make <laughs> well, that my new. Yeah, can you make it your goal for twenty four too? Well, that's a great. <laughs> hey, that it's it's a great conversation to have. 
how are we going to grow this year? Mm-hmm. And if you're brave enough to ask your spouse, what what would you like me to do? Or what might growth look like for our marriage? What would I be doing? Yeah, I so told you I'm what I was doing. You, I, wait, remind me. That when you when we are in bed together, going to bed. You're going to initiate more no, physical I intimacy? I do not Thank pick you. up my cell phone. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. And I leave it. Yeah. I will not touch it. And I've, I've done pretty well, I yeah. think. I don't know if you've noticed. You were doing better. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you said to me. Come on. That was a joke. You, I have noticed that, by the way. I thought so. you said you were doing better, and I was like, wait a no, minute. <laughs> I was quoting my wife going, you you were doing better. No, you have done a great job. Um, I have noticed that. And I will continue to work this year on really initiating either it's a conflict repair or a connection. Awesome. Well, if you want to learn more about how to find joy in your marriage, get Ted's book. It's a great book called Greater Joy Together. And we have it here at Focus on the Family for a gift of any amount. When you get the book, you're supporting the show. So we want to thank you for your generosity. Yes, and all the details will be in the show notes. Well, during our interview with Ted, he really talked about the importance of mm-hmm. keeping Christ as the cornerstone of your marriage mm-hmm. and how important that is to make sure that we're getting filled through Christ. It's not our spouse's job mm-hmm. to meet that need. That's Christ and Christ alone who will keep us mm-hmm. full of his love. And so we thought it would be a great idea just to kind of take that just a little bit deeper mm-hmm. in practically, you know, how, how do we build that relationship with Christ within our marriage? Right. And he started the conversation with talking about praying together, Yeah, which we've talked about that before mm-hmm. on the podcast, that so many believing couples are not praying together. And so I asked him, so Ted, how, how do you do that? How do you start that if you're not praying? Because so many couples aren't, and they get intimidated when they hear about praying together. And I loved what he said. Do you remember what he said? I don't, now. No? Yeah. You were listening. I was. <laughs> I, I was captivated by your beauty, oh, so it's, that it's very distracting. It. Mm, okay. No, he talked about start with praying at meals. Oh, yeah. Just That's a right. simple prayer at meals. Start there and then, you know, add on additional times of prayer. And I love that because people seem to be more comfortable praying at meals. So start where you're comfortable. And, you know, just having a quick prayer, add a couple of minutes to it, start there. Just start somewhere. Yeah. And, and I know in our marriage, you know, a- around mealtime, that, that's something that you will often request mm-hmm. from me mm-hmm. is, is to pray. And I noticed that there's times where, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a bad mood or maybe I've had a really hard day or something's going on. Mm-hmm. And and there's a part of me that goes, Ugh, if you want to pray for the meal, why don't you pray for the meal? There's times I do. And, and you definitely will. But I, I am saying all this to say that, I, that I, I really do appreciate that you will ask that, mm-hmm. like that you're assertive enough mm-hmm. in to say, hey, would you do this? Because I really know that you're doing that because you want us to pray together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, in times like last night, where Annie's starving, and she, you know, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was our prayer. Okay, it was great. A, but was the we, fastest prayer ever. Yes, we really um, do well with prayer uh, when we go to bed, before we fall asleep. 
because I'm not on my phone now. So there's an opportunity there uh, to pray. And it just is sweet because we'll check in, you know, what do you have going on tomorrow? And, you know, what did you have going on today? We've usually touched base by then. And so we each kind of know, and we know what our adult children are off doing. And so it's it's an opportunity that sometimes we'll miss it. And I know couples will say things like, oh, we don't go to bed at the same time. And I will always say, get in bed. And I think we've talked about this too. Get in bed at the same time. And then if one of you is a night owl, get back up, go do your stuff, go do what you got to do. And, you know, but start together so you can have that prayer time. What, what would you say then to the the wife who's frustrated? Mm-hmm. Maybe she longs for that. Um, she's hoping that that's going to happen at a meal or yeah. like you're saying yeah. at bedtime. Let's say that she's asked and asked mm-hmm. and asked and will keep asking and she yeah. can tell it irritates her husband. Mm-hmm. Well, how would you encourage her? I would wonder if she could initiate the prayer, like, hey, can we pray together right now? I'll lead. And maybe even at another time, um, outside of a time that she's wanting to pray, just to bring it up. Like, hey, how do you feel about praying together? And what if I, what if she's more comfortable being the one to pray together? Maybe he wasn't raised with that. Maybe no one taught him that. And the good news is she can initiate that. It doesn't mean that she's taking over, but I would ask him, like, how how do you feel about me leading this um, for now? And she's modeling what she's looking for. So it's influencing the relationship in, in a great way. Yeah. In in our marriage, again, you you've talked about that you're often the pursuer, mm-hmm. and and so I appreciate that that you will pursue, especially mealtime for bed. I mean, you'll ask if I don't you know initiate that, you'll ask me to do that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's times where it's like ah uh, maybe I wasn't in the mood to do that. So I would then say to the husband, I have to intentionally in my mind remind myself in that moment. That you're not putting me on the spot, mm-hmm. you're not trying to control me. That you're you're trying to connect, mm-hmm. and I have to see that for what it is. And you're wanting mm-hmm. to connect at that spiritual level mm-hmm. with me, because mm-hmm. otherwise it'd be easy for me to go. Well, you pray. You're asking for it, so just you you do it. Why why do I have to be the one to pray? But it's important for me to remind myself that, that that's how you're wanting to connect as as a couple in that moment, mm-hmm. and it helps me. And I know that that can be a challenge for other couples as well. You know, the other thing, too, that that we've done in our marriage that was so helpful, Gary Thomas, one of my favorite authors, I know that you you love Gary Mm -hmm. as an author as well. He has this book called Sacred Pathways, and really it's identifying nine different ways that people connect to the Lord. Because early on in our marriage, what was so helpful around our spiritual relationship was to realize that you and I connect very differently mm-hmm. with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we got into a small group or something. We ended up going through this, and it was so eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Some of the ones that he talks about, like for me, I'm the naturalist. So this is a person who's really inspired to love God outdoors. Mm-hmm. So it's when I'm in nature. you know. So often when we go hiking or we just we go for a walk— 
there's I, I just feel God's presence. Mm-hmm. And so that that takes me to a, a deep connection with the Lord when I'm outdoors. Well, I remember when you told me that the first time, like, hey, I'm a naturalist. I feel connected <laughs> to God. And I was like, ooh, nice try. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But living in Colorado with the beauty that is in this state, I totally get it. Yeah. I always say, you, I don't know how people live in Colorado and experience the beauty and not experience God. Yeah. I mean, looking at Pikes Peak and just even the other morning walking out and it was pink. The sunlight was hitting the snow and it was pink. It was beautiful. And I always try to take a picture and it never looks as pretty as it is. But for me, I literally experience God so deeply, just how majestic He is. But I also know for me, being raised in a more traditional faith and a traditional home, um, there's one called the traditionalist. And I definitely connect with that because I was raised in a home um, with a denominational faith that was more traditional and definitely experienced God through rituals and, you know, stuff like that at church or at home. And that's how I really feel connected with God. Or there's another one called the caregiver, and that's caring for other people. And I am telling you, I think that really is probably why I love being a counselor. And I was a nurse originally because I experienced God so deeply yeah. through caring for others and through how He shows up yeah. amidst that process. Yeah. And, and the whole point is that it just opened our eyes and gave us amazing information on how the other really connects with God. And, mm-hmm. and that was such um, a way that we strengthen our spiritual relationships. So we just encourage you, go online, kind of Google the Gary Thomas, Sacred Pathways, the the test for those nine different ways to connect with God and, and do that together as a couple and just see the difference that that's going to make mm-hmm. in your marriage. Well, now we're going to move to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we get to answer your burning questions about marriage. Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Renee. We're going to have an actor read the voicemail that she sent in. Hi, this is Renee. I've been a widow for over 12 years, and I have grown children who are out of the house. Over the past three or four years, I've been praying that God would bring my next spouse to me and that it would be his timing. My question for you is, What are some things I can do to prepare now before the Lord brings him into my life? I'm listening to podcasts. I'm doing things to learn more about marriage, as my last marriage was not entirely healthy. So I want to be ready. I want to be the best that I can be going into a new marriage. Thank you. Wow, Renee, thank you so much for calling in and for your intentionality with, I want to do this well this second time around. And, you know, I'm so sorry that the first marriage, you know, you're saying it wasn't healthy. And so now here you are going, okay, how do I do this differently? And that takes courage because many, many people just do the same thing over and over again. And you're saying, no, I don't want to do that. So I admire that. Yeah. And it takes, Renee, humility. Mm -hmm 
to say, hey, I want to learn. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to read books. I'm going to do the things that you're doing that requires humility and a real teachable heart. So we applaud you. And, you know, Aaron and I were thinking that, again, you're doing some great things. And, and maybe to step back for a moment, and, and we're going to talk about, yeah, what what creates a healthy marriage? Aaron and I did some research um, one time to we, where we looked at all the studies that have been done on marriage, identifying, you know, what are the traits, what are the behaviors that create a healthy marriage? Well, we ended up identifying 12, and that later became an assessment. And so we'll we'll have the link to our assessment here in the show notes. So you can always go on and, and see how you do versus these 12. But real quick, Aaron, as you think about some of these behaviors mm-hmm. that create a healthy marriage, what are some that really stand out for you? Well, the thing that stands out to me the most as far as creating a healthy marriage, and this is part of the 12 traits, is becoming a healthy individual. Yeah. And Renee, I can't encourage you enough. You know, yes, listen to the marriage stuff and, you know, understand what it takes to have a healthy marriage. But I will just say the healthier you are as an individual, you're going to attract someone of equal health. So become the type of person you want to attract. Um, Heal the past traumas, past wounds, and, you know, go seek individual counseling and just say, I just want to grow as a person. And, you know, you can call Focus on the Family here and get a referral for a licensed Christian counselor in your area if you call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A and then family, F-A-M-I-L-Y, you'll get a consultation call with a licensed Christian counselor, and then they'll provide you with a referral. So continue growing as an individual. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, really, the health of the marriage, or I'll say that differently, a marriage will only be as healthy as the two individuals. And so what, what an important part of that. I think as I think about these 12, and let me just real quickly mm-hmm. give kind of an overview, mm-hmm. security, so kind of this lifelong commitment, safety. In other words, you know, marriage requires vulnerability. And so mm-hmm. if I'm going to really be open and vulnerable, Aaron, with you, I have to feel safe that you're going to, you know, unconditionally accept me as mm-hmm. I reveal mm-hmm. who I am. Well, so safety is a yeah, big Yeah, and one. part of safety is also feeling safe physically, yeah. emotionally, spiritually, because safety is destroyed by any physical abuse. Absolutely yeah. unacceptable. Absolutely. Uh, emotional communication is another one, kind of a shared spiritual intimacy um, repairing conflict mm-hmm. and making sure that as we argue and disagree that we return to that, right, and, and repair what happened. Yeah. Nourishing your spouse, spending enjoyable time together, having a healthy sexual relationship, functioning as a united team, adaptability, and of course, healthy individual fits right in there in community. Yeah. Having a healthy community surrounding the marriage is yeah. important. And so, Renee, these are the things that the the researchers, the experts have really pinpointed going, boy, a healthy marriage will have these things. So again, we have this as an assessment. Take that. See how you do within mm-hmm. these. Identify what are two or three growth areas mm-hmm. that I really want to focus in on. Maybe an emotional communication really revealing who I am. Maybe that's scary for you. So mm-hmm. how would I continue to grow in that? And the book that we're going to send you, The Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, has all these mm. 12 in them that's as right. well. That's right. It's based on the assessment. Yeah. And Renee, we want to encourage you, surround yourself with like-minded, godly women who can 
pray with you and can give you feedback, honest, loving feedback, you know, with things that they're seeing in your life, opportunities for growth. And, you know, as you wait for that right individual to come along. Well, thanks to Renee for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and you have any questions for us, please contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. And remember, you can remain anonymous. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We hope we were able to give you some tips to help as you avoid the marital drift. Well, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We want to see you grow spiritually both as individuals and as a couple so that you can turn right around and invest in another couple to help them build a lifelong marriage. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.